Thank you, Pastor Larry. Good morning, Gracians. So good to see y'all. Turn to someone beside you and wish them uh, good morning and also Merry Christmas in advance. want to thank uh, those of you who are serving, whether you are in front of the camera, behind the camera. want to say hello to those who are online as well. Thank you all for being with us. I want to have a special shout out to those who are serving today uh, because I want to thank you for serving in spite of the pain that you experience, in spite of the burdens that you carry, in spite of the obstacles that you need to overcome. You still serve. And so God is pleased with all of the way that we worship Him. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Let's thank our volunteers for doing what they do. I also want to ask all of us for prayer because we enter camp season today. Nexus enters camp season today. Uh, later on, Emerge Camp will begin. Tomorrow, Grace Kids Camp will start. Next Friday, Elevate Camp will begin and we are actually in the middle of a young adult's leader's advance. So really happening time for Next Gen. So please pray for the Next Gen ministry in Grace Assembly. Now you see, we are in the final month of uh, the year. Whether you like it or not, 2023 is coming to an end. And I trust that you are ending your year well. Today, as Pastor Larry mentioned, we are continuing our mini-sermon series on Christmas. And in this series, we will explore the question, why did Jesus come? Now, most of us will know that Christmas is about the birth of Christ. But do we know the purpose of His birth? The purpose of his birth was to show us how to return to God. The purpose of his birth is to show us how to know him and how to live for him. Now, to better appreciate this purpose, we'll need to revisit some Old Testament prophecies that really describe the Messiah's arrival. So our pre-Christmas sermons, our pre-Christmas sermons, they are titled after familiar Christmas songs. So let's see whether you know how to continue the lyrics to this song. It goes like this. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Wow, that was beautiful. Let's give each other a hand. Pepe. Very nice. Let earth receive her king. What we just sang in unison just now, reflects our belief in the second coming of Christ and how we should look forward to His reign on earth. These lyrics express the joy associated with the birth of Jesus. His birth gives us hope that God's promises will be fulfilled. So with this, let's learn the big idea for today. Christ was born to rule over His people with righteousness. Christ was born to rule over His people with righteousness. Church, we aren't the only ones who sang about Jesus during the time that He came. Mary also sang about Jesus in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 52. I'm not going to attempt to put tunes to this really long passage. It's a really long, a lot of words there, so pay a special attention to how Mary described Jesus in verse 52. It's highlighted for you that He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Now, those who are familiar with the Old Testament back then, they might remember what Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel chapter 2. So if you are, if you are reading it uh, on screen right now, you will notice that whatever that Mary and Hannah wrote 
okay, in their song or in their prayer, it described a reversal of fortunes between the exalted being humble and the humble being exalted. So here, Mary prophetically, in um, Luke chapter 1, verse 52, Mary prophetically describes the kind of king that Jesus would be. And with this, I only have two points for us today. We can learn two things about Jesus' arrival. The first thing that we can learn about the arrival of Jesus is that our humble king arrives to rule righteously. Our humble king arrives to rule righteously. The coming of Christ wasn't God's backup solution, but it was God's central plan all along. And we know this because many Old Testament passages prophesied the coming of the promised Messiah. And one prominent prophecy is found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it is recorded or prophesied by the prophet Micah. It goes like this, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. From this, we can quickly learn that the ruler will come from a place called Bethlehem Ephrathah, which was about eight kilometers from Jerusalem. Now, Ephrathah was the ancient name for the vicinity of Bethlehem. So don't miss this about Bethlehem Ephrathah. Like David, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, we need to remember that this prophecy from Micah was written some 800 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So hardly anyone would have guessed that the Messiah would come from a tiny village with only a few hundred people. So it is significant that the Messiah who will deliver His people is born in a small and insignificant town, too little to be among the clans of Judah. Now that is why the, 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 the specifics of Micah's prophecy was so critical. The, the religious leaders, they probably missed the specifics of this because they thought that Jesus was born and raised in Nazareth. Now, most of us, when we read our New Testament, we will remember Jesus of Nazareth. It's hardly described as Jesus of Bethlehem. And so maybe the religious leaders thought, nah, he can't be, it can't be Jesus because he was not born in Bethlehem. They thought he was born in Nazareth. So in other words, the Messiah's birth in humble Bethlehem is surprised many, especially by those who expected him to be born in Jerusalem. And that was what Micah alluded to, that Bethlehem would bring a new beginning for the kingdom of God that would be established on earth. When Micah described the Messiah whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days, he was reinforcing Jesus' kingly lineage, which means that Jesus came from the line of David. This meant everything to the Jews because David's rule had a profound impact on Judah's history. It was David whom Yahweh covenanted with. So pay attention to these two words also in the prophecy in Micah 5.2. The words are, for me. For God had determined the king to be born in Bethlehem, where David's line began, but God had not forgotten and God had still kept the covenant he made with David. Like how God chose David to be a king for him, God would now choose again a king for him from David's line to fulfill God's purpose. 
Yet God said through Micah that this ruler in Israel will minister on Yahweh's behalf and will accomplish God's will. And this ruler will do so by ruling with righteousness and humility. What a contrast to the ruthless and ambitious King Herod who was ruling in Judea at that time. If we take a look at Matthew chapter 2, it described King Herod to be so worried that the, prophet, the, 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 the prophesied Messiah would come from Bethlehem. He was so worried about that that he actually ordered the massacre of all boys under the age of two years old in Bethlehem. Imagine if you were under such a ruler at that time, submitting to such a ruthless ruler, submitting to such a, such, such a cold-blooded ruler. And imagine living every day with constant fear and trepidation. So this gives us an insight into the state of mind of Jews in Luke's time. Being humbled, they were already humbled by Rome. They were oppressed by religious leaders. And now that's why we understand they all had a collective longing and anticipation for a saviour. So when we remember Mary's lyrics about the exalted being humbled and the humble being exalted, the birthplace or the location of Jesus' birthplace shows us the Messiah's humble origins and it hints at the kind of humble king he will rule as. So Gratians, as a humble king, God would exalt him. And because Jesus is a humble king who rules righteously, Jesus will bring comfort and relief to the people in the kingdom. So friends, far from being a contingency plan, Jesus coming from Bethlehem was God's big idea all along. It was his salvation plan all along. It unfolded in Bethlehem. It was promised to David and now it is delivered through Christ. And nobody would have anticipated that such an unimportant place would produce a king that God would covenant with and eventually bring forth the Messiah. You see, God choosing Bethlehem to bring forth the Messiah shows us that what people consider as significant and important is actually not God's priority. Jesus gives us hope that God's promises will be fulfilled through Him. This fulfillment of hope will come from the most unexpected and insignificant place. And out of the insignificant Bethlehem, a new ruler would emerge and he will rule in humble strength and not under insecure weakness or harsh control. So church, let us remember this Christmas that Christ will rule as a humble king. And it means then we can submit to a humble king without fear. You see, whenever we think about rulership, we may perceive rulership to feel as if we are being dominated or being lauded over by a higher power. But it's not like that with Christ's righteous rule. Christ's righteous and humble rulership means that He would elevate the weak and He would help the lowly, just like Mary had prophetically sung. But beyond that, let us allow this righteous rulership of Christ to transform our own understanding and experience of rulership and influence as one of bringing help to those who need it. That is how Christ would rule. And it's countercultural to what rulership in the world may look and feel like. So Bethlehem doesn't just show us the humble circumstances of where Christ was born, but it also shows us how differently Jesus will rule over His people and He will rule with righteousness. 
But Christ wasn't just a humble king who arrived to rule righteously. Christ is also our righteous king who will remove all evil and rule forever. That's my second point for you. Our righteous king will remove all evil and rule forever. Now, it wasn't just in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 that the birth of Christ was prophesied. Let's go into 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 16. And over here, God was speaking to David through the prophet Nathan. This was the Davidic covenant that I alluded to just now. It goes like this, I will raise up your offering after you, I will establish his kingdom, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Earlier on in the first point in Micah 5, the birthplace of the Messiah was accurately prophesied. And now over here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, the duration of the Messiah's reign was prophetically described. It says, your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. That's two forevers in one verse. But there's more to this verse besides describing an everlasting duration. Firstly, the promise of the Messiah as David's offspring fulfilled the even more ancient Abrahamic covenantal blessing. The events in Luke fulfilled not just the prophecy in 2 Samuel 7, but also fulfilled what was written in Genesis 49. David came from the line of Judah. Judah was the great-grandson of Abraham. And Genesis 49.10 tells us that a ruler would come from Judah. It's really significant here because New Testament uh, reinforced middle of the Bible in 2 Samuel Samuel chapter 7, which reinforced what happened at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 49. The theological significance here is that Jesus came from the messianic line that produced this divine descendant and king who reigns forever. This means that he and his kingdom manifesto won't be changed every few years, but it will last forever. Jesus is not the people's sometimes short-sighted choice, but God's permanent choice. Jesus was not elected into office. Jesus was placed there by God to rule over us. So, Gracians, Jesus didn't come so that we may merely sing joy to the world. We can sing to the world with joy because Jesus came to rule over us forever. Amen? The righteous king who rules and reigns forever is a totally different king from what the Jews were experiencing and expecting. This righteous king is humble. He's righteous. He's God's promised one. He'll defeat evil for good and he will reign forever. But maybe some of us, we are struggling with submission because we are disillusioned by what we see in the political scene today. Regardless of which country you look at, there will not be a perfect president, king or prime minister. Perhaps others struggle to submit because of negative experiences with authoritative figures, be it at home, in school, at work, or even in church. Gracians, submitting to Jesus is not like that. We do not need to put out multiple defenses 
or have many full reservations when we surrender to Him. Why? Because our, unlike other rulers, Jesus is righteous, He's humble, and He's loving. We can take confidence in knowing that our righteous King, who reigns forever, is more than capable of dealing with the evil in this world. And He is sure to eradicate it forever. That is why we should submit to such a King. This means that the day of Jesus' righteous rule being established is a day that we can and we should look forward to. That's the day when Jesus will overcome all evil and we will experience His peace forever. And being a part of Jesus' impending and everlasting righteous rule means that we are also roped into sharing the peace that Jesus had first offered to us. It means that we have a role to play in helping people to be set free from the influence of evil in their lives. How? By introducing them to Jesus. So this Christmas season, as you're reminded that Christ was born to rule over His people with righteousness, you are also confronted with the reality of submitting to His rulership, if you call yourself His people. Now, if Jesus is your ruler, then how you approach your career, or for those of you who are studying, it must be aligned to God's plans for your life. In every crossroad, instead of choosing what you want, take one step back and ask Jesus to lead you and to guide you. Consult your righteous ruler for wisdom. Don't make decisions hastily. Instead, put your, put your decision in the perspective of a reign that will be everlasting. If Jesus is your ruler, then how you make everyday decisions at school and at work must align to what He wants to accomplish through you. With anyone you meet, how can you introduce this righteous King to him or her? How can you be a blessing even in simple ways? How can you reveal this humble King to your classmates, to your colleagues, or even a random person? My family and I just returned from uh, a vacation together and we ate at a sushi restaurant when we were overseas. Now, through Google Translate, we spoke with the owners. We ordered food with the owners and uh, the owners are pictured there. It's a husband, a wife and a son team. Now, we laughed a lot, not because I was funny, but because I tried to make jokes and then there was like a five-second lag and so when Google uh, will, will, will read out my joke for me, it, it, they, they laughed a little bit and I felt silly laughing at the joke that was five seconds ago, you know. So, so it was a really strange way of communication. But even in that, in that awkwardness, we conversed about our family, about holidaying, and of course about Singapore because we found out that that's where they spent their honeymoon 40 years ago. So we had a really good dinner together with the owners. And at the end of dinner, when we were about to get the bill, I felt prompted by God to pray for them. So while they were getting the bill ready, I had pre-typed a prayer in Google Translate. And in my pre-typed prayer, I also have a line there where I ask for permission to pray for them. So the app would read out everything that I have pre-typed. And so I would press play. And I remember when uh, Google Translate told the couple that I am a Christian pastor. You know, I want to make sure that I tell them that I'm a Christian pastor. So when they heard it, it was like, Oh, and I was like, oh, what was going on, right? 
And then I said, it got, it got a really big reaction for them. And then it asked for permission, can I pray a blessing of, for you, your family, and your business? And then they said, they readily said, hi, hi, hi. You know, they wanted to be prayed for. And so for the first time, the Google Translate in my phone, the app, it prayed in Japanese. <laughs> it was a long prayer, and with each line, to my surprise, the couple said, Amen. 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 And with that, my kids and my wife, we also stretched out our hands to pray for the couple. And we were so blessed by that encounter with them. And they, were so, they felt so blessed that someone that they don't even know would pray for them. And I was sure to finish my prayer in Jesus' name. Now, they were so blessed that the chef that you saw just now, he actually walked us out of our restaurant all the way back to our car. And throughout this entire uh, uh, journey, right, he would, Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato. They were so blessed by it. And we were so blessed by it as well. But you know, Gracians, all I desired was to introduce them to this humble and righteous king. I don't know if they will get another chance to hear about our humble and righteous king. And so you know what? God can use you even in a restaurant overseas, not speaking the language that you know. And if God can do that, God can do anything, anywhere in Singapore with anyone, so long as you are open to introducing someone to this humble and righteous king. Amen? Our humble king arrives to rule righteously. And our, and our righteous king will indeed remove all evil and reign forever. So friends, Christ was born to rule over his people with righteousness. Gracious, what we have just heard demands a response. You either believe it fully and live it completely, or you don't. You either surrender wholeheartedly to Jesus or you follow your own path and your own heart. You either exalt Christ as the now incoming King or you ignore and abandon Him. And any middle ground feels like a cop-out. As missionary Hudson Taylor rightly said, Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. I say that again. Christ is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. If Christ's rule will last to eternity, then surely we can trust Him with our everyday decisions and our actions. So what is one area in your life that God is challenging you to submit to the rulership of Christ? Is it how you treat your spouse? Is it how you relate with your children? Is it in how you approach your parents? Could it also be how you serve God and make decisions at your workplace? How is the rulership of Christ revealed in your daily routines? Does Christ rule over the language that you use or how you spend your time and money or even in who you follow and what you like on social media? How is the rulership of Christ evident in the way that you interact with your friends, with your family members, with how you make big and small decisions. I have two children, and my youngest, I think on screen coming out now, my youngest is called Judah, and he is going to primary one next month. Oh, it's very fast. 
And sometime back in 2017, we were in week 16 of being pregnant with this little boy. At that scheduled checkup, our obstetrician informed us that from the latest ultrasound scans, she found an unusual growth inside Judah's brain. She also mentioned that this growth may be correlated to some developmental difficulties for my child down the road. So you can almost imagine what went through my wife and my mind as parents. Now in any pregnancy, um, there are some optional scans that one can do. So some more commonly known ones are OSCAR scan or the panorama scan, for example. Now, our doctor recommended that we go for this scan called amniocentesis. It's an invasive diagnostic test that extracts and tests a sample of amniotic fluid to diagnose chromosomal and other genetic disorders in the fetus. Our doctor told us that going for this scan is totally up to us, but she warned that the nature of this procedure might potentially harm the unborn child. So imagine you receive this news, you are told these options. At that point in time, my wife and I, our convictions were tested on the spot. But what we believed in was simple. And it was unchanged since the Lord gave us Eden in 2014, my firstborn. Our conviction was this, is that if we were going to try for a baby, we would keep the baby even if there were going to be perceived difficulties, whether during the pregnancy or further down the road. So for Hui Yi and I, my wife and I, there was no need to take additional tests as it wouldn't change our decision to keep the baby. And furthermore, if the amniocentesis was going to potentially hurt the baby, then our decision was even more straightforward. So we told our obstetrician on the spot that we were Christians and we won't be going for further scans because we were going to keep the baby even if the results were medically concerning, growth or no growth in the brain. Now, our doctor was surprised to hear that. Maybe many of her patients opt for the scan, but she respected our decision and she said she would see us at week 21. Now, of course, we sounded very brave in the clinic, but when we left the clinic that day, we were shaken by what we had heard. But even though, I was, even though we were shaken, on our way to the car throughout the day, I just experienced a supernatural peace that I couldn't understand. It was a peace that surpassed my understanding at least. God somehow assured me with His presence and I quietly knew that I didn't need to panic even though we received news like this. That day and for that season, my faith in God was unusually rock steady. Of course I was affected, but I wasn't anxious. Maybe it's because I had already surrendered the outcome to God and trusted Him. Now my wife, on the other hand, carrying the baby, struggled a little bit more. So my job as a husband was simple. Process her emotions with her, lead her toward trusting God with all her heart and not speculate beyond what we didn't know. Our next scheduled scan was in five weeks and it was a standard milestone uh, detailed scan um, for any checks, that will check for any structural anomalies in the baby. And in these five weeks, you can almost imagine the kind of wrestling we experience as individuals and as a couple. I can assure you that God was doing a deep work in each of us. And the process of growing our faith, and He was in the process of, of growing our faith in a very different way. But at the detailed scan, something unusual happened. 
for some reason, the sonographer kept reporting, good, liver, good, kidney, good, lungs, good. And after the third time of count of saying good, my wife's spiritual senses, you know, like, eh, why counting? Why, why saying so many times? She started counting. Good, 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 good. Six good of different body parts. And, and, and we were very surprised by the only positive reports. And then we curiously asked our sonographer, um, what about the baby's brain? Everything okay? And then the sonographer said, and this was the seventh time, very good. <laughs> Praise God. And my wife and I, we, we looked at each other, we were bewildered. We were surprised because emotionally, you can imagine, we were in a totally different place from five weeks ago. We had surrendered, we had surrendered a lot to the Lordship of Christ and we were ready to trust God for the next steps already. But seven goods of, seven mentions of good and very good felt like God was speaking to us loudly through the sonographer. It was said so many times that it was no longer a coincidence, but a God moment. And then we went to see our obstetrician with the detailed scans. And then she said she couldn't find the growth in the brain anymore. Praise God. We praise God for that. And my wife and I were, were stunned again in a clinic, but this time in a good way. And we left the clinic feeling totally different this time. The growth that vanished felt like a new beginning for us in our walk with God. Clearly, the growth in Judah's head foreshadowed the growth we had made in trusting God in the days ahead. Now, to be honest, it wasn't easy while we were going through it. But we surrendered to the rulership of Christ in our lives. And we had determined in our hearts to do what we felt convicted by God to do. Gracious, trusting God and following Jesus in every area of our lives will not be a walk in the park. Especially if it means experiencing difficulties, inconveniences, and struggles in order to stay true to God and to the convictions that He has put in your heart. If you're being honest, most of us will struggle to the rulership, to submit to the rulership of Christ. And we will struggle because it involves dying to self. It involves surrendering control. It involves potentially accepting an outcome that is different from what we have planned. But church, that is exactly when our trust in God, our alignment to His rulership, our belief in Him being the humble and righteous King who will reign and rule over us forever, that's when it is truly tested. But here's the good news, my friends. We are not submitting to an evil, ruthless and unloving God. We are submitting to a humble King who rules righteously who loves us, who wants the best for us, who will one day remove all evil and will have a rule that lasts forever. So what have you been struggling with lately, Christians? Is it a career switch? 
Is it a business decision? It is, a, is it a wrestle in the marriage? Is it about a pregnancy or the lack of it? Is it the difficulty of caring for parents and children? Is it the difficulty of just trying to obey God in big and small decisions? Or perhaps some of you, you're experiencing a physical health crisis or a mental health crisis or you're walking with someone who's experiencing a physical or mental health crisis and the burden is really difficult to carry maybe some of us here we are concerned with our family's well-being church I have good news for us nothing is too insignificant to a humble and righteous King. Nothing is too insignificant to a humble and righteous King. Today I'm going to speak to a few groups of people. But friends, I want you to know that what you're going through matters to Jesus because He loves you and He wants the best for you. Let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads. Let's get ready to respond to the Lord. You might feel that your struggle, that the specific struggle that you're experiencing in submitting to the rulership of Christ in your life, you may feel it's very trivial, it's very insignificant. There's no need to talk, there's no need to pray about it. You feel like, no lah, don't need to bring to God. But can I remind all of us today that our King came from Bethlehem. If there's anyone who understands what it means to come from a seemingly insignificant place to men, it is Jesus. Christians, we must remember that it is in the Bethlehems of our lives that new beginnings are made and God's greatness and glory are restored. So the first group of people that I want to speak with are those who are currently struggling with something struggling to surrender something or someone to Jesus and that burden is starting to become very heavy for you but today you say pastor I want to invite the humble king into my wrestling conversation I want to invite that humble king to be with me because nothing is too insignificant for the humble king so if that is you and you're struggling to surrender something or someone to the Lord, you're wrestling with a heavy burden and you're saying, Jesus, come and invade my space. Come and speak to me. Come and help me develop my convictions and give me wisdom. If that is you, would you raise your hand to the Lord? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even those, thank you, I see your hands in the gallery. Thank you, I see your hand at the side. Raise your hand to the Lord. I want to pray with you. You're saying, I want to surrender. I want to invite Jesus into that conversation of surrendering. I want to know that I'm surrendering to a loving and humble and righteous King. If that is you, raise your hand to the Lord. Thank you, I see your hand at the back. I see several hands raised quietly to the Lord. I see your hand in the front. Thank you. 
second group of people I want to speak with and invite to respond to the Lord are those are those who are going through a physical or mental health crisis or if you are journeying with someone who is going through a physical or mental health crisis and that burden is getting really heavy the emotional burden of experiencing this crisis or caring for that person through that crisis is becoming extremely difficult too heavy too hard and you're saying God give me strength sustain me through it Lord I'm coming to the end of my rope God sustain me strengthen me if that is you we really want to pray with you saying God strengthen me sustain me would you raise your hand to the Lord as well we want to pray with you thank you thank you thank you thank you many hands thank you thank you thank you thank you even the gallery thank you thank you many hands raised thank you and finally this is Christmas season we still have two weeks before Christmas and today you're actively trying to reach out to someone and maybe that person you don't know how to reach out to him but you know that this person needs to be introduced to the humble and loving King and you're saying to the Lord Lord give me an opportunity to reach out to this person to my cousin to my friend to my colleague to my classmate whoever it is and your prayer is God use me to reach out to that person give me an opportunity if that is you you want to introduce someone to the loving and humble king would you raise your hand as well thank you 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 many hands raised thank you I see your hand at the back many hands raised thank you thank you I see your hand at the gallery thank you shall we all stand to our feet gracious as Gideon and the worship team leads us to worship God we just want to say that the altars are open if you have raised your hands for any of the categories whether you're carrying a burden and you're asking God to invade your space whether you're going through a crisis and you're asking God to strengthen you or whether you want to bring someone to the Lord and you say God give me an opportunity we want to invite you to come to the front our leaders and our pastors are ready to pray with you to journey with you so church come on let's just worship the Lord and respond to the Lord this morning hallelujah but to the throne of mercy where would I kneel but at this cross of grace how great the love strong the hand that holds us so beautiful you're beautiful where would I run to the throne where would I kneel but at this cross of grace? How great the love, how strong the hand that holds us. So beautiful, you're beautiful. So here I bow to live.